0: This is Ask the Experts. Here's Karin Bhatia. I am Karin Bhatia, joined by Ed Lattimore. He's a former heavyweight boxer, but there's so much more that we need to speak about, Ed, including your upbringing, everything that you've learned. You're now helping people, teaching people um, through all your different channels. So first of all, Ed, how are you doing today, my friend? It's
1: a really good day today. Happy. Uh, it's a little cold here, but that's that's November. I'm, I'm in a good mood and all uh, and and also waiting for my son to get here. He's he's supposed to be born two days ago, but <laughs> but, you know, he,
0: he's taking a sweet old time. Well, congratulations on that, that big life event upcoming. Um, I I know you're also an author. You've written many books and you have a new book that you're working on, which I want to talk to you about. But let's go back a little bit to the beginning of your journey and your story. Um, I know that one of the things that you've said on your social media, you said teaching people what I've learned from the hood, the ring and everything in between. Um, So I'm sure there's a lot of lessons there. So what was your upbringing like and, and what did you learn?
1: Man, I'm I'm a typical stereotype, man. I'm born to a like I knew who my dad was, but to say he had a, a hand in raising me is just just in, inaccurate to the point of being dishonest. So, my mom was very much a single mother. Uh we lived in the projects. We were on welfare for a lot of times and then of everything that comes with that, the the crime, the the abuse, trauma, it, it was a really I think about my childhood. I've been thinking about my childhood a lot lately because I'm having a kid of my own. And I'm just like, man, this a, there's a lot that like really can, can be awful. <laughs> and it was awful uh, for most of it. I, I wasn't really happy when I look back, especially at least not until I turned 14. And at 14, I started going to a different school in a different part of town and really got to meet the people who are my friends to this day.
0: And I know that your journey led you to boxing, right? Um, what What was it about boxing that appealed to you? And, and when did you find boxing and how? So
1: this is funny, man. I didn't start fighting until I was 22, which is like, I mean, now heavyweights can start a little later because they mature a little later and the body yeah. takes a little longer to develop for it to be that size. But I started fighting because somebody said to me, I used I dropped out of college the first time I went and I was like on this big anti-college kick and I was just telling her how much it sucked and how stupid it was. And one of the people I happened to say that to was this this woman who was the, the mother of the girl I was dating at the time. And she happened to be a, uh, a professor at a university. And so she said to me, she's like, all right, let's let's say you're right. And the college is, is a waste of time. What have you done with your life in the past four years other than show up here, and eat my food? And then she kicked me out and, and I thought about it. And I said, you know, she she's got a really good point. I don't have any sweat, equity, or anything in my life. And it's not all I'm doing is I was working at Starbucks. And I said, that's all I'm doing. This is lame. So I looked at two avenues to go. I was going to either join the army or box. And I got I, got, I chose boxing because YouTube had just started getting big. And you could look up and see fights, and I was like, "Oh, there's something I could do. How bad could it be getting hit, right?" Uh, and so I decided to do that, man, because we were we we just started invading Iraq, and I was like, "Ah, you know, I made it. I survived the hood. I'm not gonna walk into uh, that." So let me let me stay away from that So That's how I started fighting, man. I found the, and I found an amateur gym, and I had. Add some early successes and some and some good intuition about some things and some moves, because, as as you know, it's not just about how good you are. That certainly helps, but it's really about making sure you're with the right people in the right place and and deciding because a lot of times you got to make a choice between, you know, A and B and you can't see the future. You can just look at the probability and a lot of times you have to you got to have courage that you're making the right decision and and i think i made almost all of the optimal decisions i could in my career for for how long uh, it was and when i started and and what i was able to to do with it
0: you you found boxing and that was felt like the right decision instead of going to the army at the time. Um, but I just wanted to back up a little bit on, on something you said. You said you survived the hood, right? So yeah. when you look back now, you've obviously described it as a difficult time, and I'm, I'm sure it was. When you look back now, what were some of the things that, that you did to help you survive? What were some of the tactics you used? How, how did you survive that situation?
1: So so you, you got to remember, you know, when you're a kid, you're not you're not thinking so much, I'm trying to survive you're thinking I don't like this place I don't like these people I don't feel comfortable here etc right and what you're really trying to do which which i guess is synonymous with survival you're just trying to alleviate discomfort and, and find a place to be a kid and you don't even and you don't even know you're doing that second part because you don't know what it, what being a kid is uh, the big thing for me before 14. I I immersed myself in video games and books. I I I didn't quite know, but but I, I had an inkling that these that building a social life in this area wasn't gonna work for me. Cause I didn't want to be like anyone around me. I didn't have much in common with them. Uh but but, but you know, my mom tried to, you know, push us to socialize and play. And I'm like, why? Every time we spend time out here, man, something go down crazy. We get into a fight. Uh, or there's, you know, nobody around here is, is moving the way you want us to move. So, you know, all parents want their kids to be good. And, and for whatever reason, I was fortunate enough to be able to recon- uh, recognize that kind of inconsistency. So I stayed away. When I started going to a different school across town, I I'm pretty sure, I think about this a lot, I don't think I, I think I spent one holiday at home, but for the most part, I spent all of my time. Uh, yeah, I played, that's when I took up sports. And then when it wasn't a sport, I took up the musical and being on the, um, the stage crew, so I didn't have to go home. And, and then I had a job, I mean, any, like anything and And if there was nothing, I went to a friend's house. I had a friend who lived across town. I'm so blessed to have encountered these people because they drove me home every day. It was probably it was probably a 30-minute drive total for them. And every day they did it. They they left their nice uh, upper middle class neighborhood, drove me back to the hood and back home. No thing, no problem. Didn't even sweat it. And and so like today, uh you know, they I I see them all and and I'm just I thank them. I'll randomly send messages and thank them, really. <laughs> they invited me. They came to my baby, shot
0: everything. There, there, were, there were more, in many ways, more parents to me than my parents ever were. You you went through a lot. You found boxing. And I know another big part of your journey was addiction, right? You you said you had an addiction to to alcohol. You were yeah. able to to overcome that. And now you're sharing the lessons that you've learned. And I know that part of it was, you lost your shot as an olympic boxer and that's when you started to to understand a little bit more about your your battle uh with addiction what was it about losing the the shot at the olympics that that made you realize that so you know first off that year we got really lucky man that's when uh
1: well michael king was involved in everything and we ended up with like a second olympic trials which is crazy he had that much money in pool and i was part of that that program out there in Cali where he was putting that together with Charles Martin and Dominic Brazil came out of. Uh, so so it was it was a cool time to see that. But when I when I got recruited to go out there, it was very sudden. Like It was so sudden. In fact, uh, I didn't have any money, but they were paying. And I was I was like broke for two weeks, just living off of whatever I could find. But I was lonely, and I didn't. I didn't have like I had some friends that lived up in Burbank, where they had us down in Carson, and that's I don't know how well you know L.A., but that may as well be another. As far as the distances where I'm from, that's huge. It was like an hour. I was just lonely, man, and and I realized uh, in that loneliness that my way to cope and bond it all dealt with booze, and and when I when I lost my fight at home or when I won, I would drink, but, but losing that, that's, that sucks, you know, because, because, you know, I want to be clear, me me losing that fight, uh, ironically enough against, against Dominic, uh, is, is what is, is, uh, it, it didn't, I, like, I didn't feel like drinking after that. Right. But, I but it made me think about, how a lot of my training was sacrificed because I would drink right after practice or whatever. It made me realize that I didn't have anything to rely on to help me but, but alcohol because I didn't have any friends out there, anything like that. It, it really, uh, uh, an event that, that is taken from, not taken, because uh, it certainly wasn't taken. I got beat straight up. Uh, when you When you miss something, that's when you realize how strong the systems in your life are. Oh, because what's gonna catch you was there, and I didn't have anything. It's it's, it's actually like when I think back on it, I actually kind of feel cold, man, <laughs> because uh, you know I went back to my apartment in in, uh, in California, and I was just like, oh, what we do now? More drinking, like like it wasn't. There was no 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 friends or anything like that, and I was like, I never want to have that that again. And so and then I didn't stop drinking then because because you know. That's part of addiction, right? You you might realize it's a problem, but you don't do anything about it. But it's one of those things that 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 the sinking your head, your mind, and you start thinking about it, and you and you can't escape it.
0: I'm sure it was difficult to to overcome that. And I'm just curious if you have any words of encouragement or advice uh-huh. to people who may be listening to this who are going through their own battles with addiction. Anything that that you'd like to share with with people going through their own their own battles?
1: Yeah, you know, I used to be the God that would tell you, you can stop drinking and, and then spend time around your old friends. And I don't believe that anymore. I think what you have to do, you got to do two things. Now, you don't have to get rid of your friends. I'm not saying that, but you got to take a break because you're going to have to learn how to read. You're going to have to be, learn how to be a different person, because a lot of times. Even if we've removed the addiction factor, and we just talk about society, especially with alcohol. Alcohol is the worst because that's the one we made legal. Uh, is, is you don't know how to do anything without the booze. And you got to learn how to do that. And you got to learn how to do that without the temptation. So change your social circle for a little while. And then pick up new hobbies and new ways to be. Do stuff by yourself. Have people meet you for coffee instead of booze. And because what you what you'll learn, a lot of people are afraid to stop. It ain't because it ain't because of how people are gonna look at them. Uh, because if you you think about how some of the crazy stuff you do drinking, it ain't that. Uh, and 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 I think a lot of times it's not even a pure addiction in a, in, in a physiological sense. The thing that keeps a lot of people drinking is that they have no idea how to live without it. And then and, and, and that sounds weird, but. It's the truth. And if you can convince yourself, you can live without it. And not like, oh, when I'm fiending for it, like you're twitching, like, no, I can, I can go to the bar and watch a game. No, not at the bar, but like, I can socialize with my friends, right? And my friends still like me and we connect, but there's no alcohol in the picture. And you go, oh, wow, I can do this. That's a baby step. You find a way to entertain yourself. You find something you really like doing besides sitting in a bar and watching football and drinking booze, that's a baby step. You find a way to build respect. That's what fighting did for me 100% is, is you find a way to build respect instead of being liked. Because when you drink a lot, it's easy to be, to be feel like you're being liked in the man. It ain't, it ain't nothing though, it's, it's nothing. But when people start respecting you, little baby steps, these little changes, you start to build a life without it, super easy.
0: It's it's step-by-step, brick-by-brick, if you will. And it sounds like just in just like in a negative way through addiction, one thing can lead to another in a negative way. It can also happen in a positive way as, as you build up personal satisfaction for who you are as a person, your environment, the things you're able to achieve without different types of substances and things like that um, is, is the message that I'm getting from you, I'm hearing from you. And hopefully that would be helpful to people who may be listening to this. Uh, just take that first step and try to build off that. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your boxing journey. You did turn professional in the heavyweight division in 2013, and you actually worked up your record to 13-0, seven knockouts by 2016. Um, mm-hmm. Around that time, you know, that that's a good starting record, undefeated. You've got some knockouts under your belt. It, uh, do you remember back to that time? What were your ambitions in the <laughs> sport of boxing? What were you hoping to do in the heavyweight division?
1: Um, so, so, you know, I think – I, I never had an ambition to be like this, this world champ. I always wanted to be the best version of myself I could be. Always. And and if if I did that, I figured everything else would, would fall into place. Now I understand what it means to do that in, in multiple areas. You know, e- even the level I get, which, which we're like if we're gonna like go across the spectrum and look at what I did as an amateur and a pro. Um, you know, I, I think I'm a legitimate professional athlete. You know, there's a lot of guys that just turn pro and just go, well, like, not at all, especially not a teacher. You, you realize how little a lot of people know about, about boxing. Ray Ma- uh, what Roger Mayweather said it best, man. You know, most people don't know shit about boxing. This is true. But um, uh, at that time in 2016, what I, what I recognized, it was weird because I, I don't know how to deceive myself. I never got... I never got comfortable lying to myself, and I took well, I took a look at the future, and I looked at my skill set, where I was strong, where I was weak, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna confess something. I remember thinking, I really should drop down to cruiser weight <laughs> because I am I am 6'1", 215 wet. Like when I was training, when I'm really living and working in the gym, six one two fifteen. That, you know, you can't compete in, the, not today, no way. I wrote an article about this on my site, about like the evolution of the heavyweight uh, and and why, one of the reasons why I stopped, it was, it was five reasons, but that was one of them, is I looked at the size differential and I said, you know, I'm going to go as far as I can. I mean, I'm still going to fight, I'm still going to train. and And really, how good can I be? And I had a great coach too, who, who, in in retrospect, looking at things, right? Because it's it hard for me to believe the hype. I look at the facts, but he kind of he got me to believe the hype, you know. And uh, I thought I could, I, I'd be able to go go and do a lot with my my size difference, and I, and I'm fast. I'm a very fast, and and it helped. But uh, to answer the question, I, I just wanted to be the best that I could and see where that would go,
0: you yes. know. It's definitely difficult to compete in modern heavyweight boxing um, with that size differential. Because if you look at for someone, for example, like a Tyson Fury, six foot nine; Deontay Wilder, six foot seven; Joshua, six foot six. Oh, and all you want to <laughs> you know, higher in weight now. Alexander Usik's able to do it, but that's in a, a well, very elite well, well, skilled well, but... fighter who who just brings. But even back, still,
1: still, even yeah. still, Alexander Usyk is six four. Let's not.
0: UFC 281 is live from New York this Saturday. Get closer to the octagon with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on UFC 281 and get $200 in free bets if your fighter wins. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a parlay today with three or more picks and combine multiple bets like which fighter will win total rounds and more. And this honestly is a great card to do so. We got Izzy up top headlining, of course, Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler, Frankie Edgar in action, Dan Hooker in action. I mean, you really can't ask much more from a big UFC card. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on UFC. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code CURRAN, C-U-R-R-A-N. Throw down $5 on UFC 281 and get $200 in free bets if your fighter wins. That's code CURRAN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
1: The average heavyweight height is 6'4 now. And 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 you know, I'm giving you the average. If we look at the medium, we'll see that's skewed heavily to the left. And for people who don't know what that means, that means yes, the average is six, four, but most people are like six, 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 seven, and there are only a few of us who are on the other end. So like it's not even like oh half of the people are going to be taller than six for Half of them are going to be under. Nah, I'm, I'm more of them are going to be like it's more like eighty percent of them are going to be taller than six four, and maybe even more. Uh, so so that that height difference was a big deal, and then with that comes up, what because the, the real issue is the weight. Like the height, you can deal with. That's not a problem. The issue is the weight. Uh, well, I thought a God. It was, was two fifty. And and two and, and I'm I'm strong and in shape, man. But but if you if you push the pressure and lean on me, I I don't have enough, I don't have the weight behind me to move an extra thirty five pounds without it, it, without a significant uh, expenditure of energy. So it, it, it's fun. If I could go back and do it again, I would have dropped the cruiser. I would have just cut that weight. But it didn't make sense then because because the. Because the the evolution of the game, you know, heavyweight division is the only division you can really make money and not be fighting for a title. And and I did everything in the heavyweight. When I got signed by Rock, they signed me as a as a heavyweight. So I was kinda like, oh, well, here we go.
0: I'm sure the size differential was tough for you. According to your box rec, one of your opponents was over 300 pounds, um, so that must have been that must have been difficult. And and some of the fights that you had over 250 and opponents like that as well. Um, I wanted to ask you about the end of your official boxing career. So you, you, we talked about working up your record to to 13 and 07 knockouts. Later that same year in 2016, you took a TKO first round loss. Uh, where you were dropped a few times in the opening round and then a draw. Um, so what what kind of went wrong there towards the end of the year career and why did you decide to to hang up the gloves? So
1: so you know I don't like saying anything went wrong, at least not with the with the Trey Lippe fight. You know, hats off to him. Uh, and you know what's cool about boxing, man. I, I I haven't talked to him recently. I didn't even know he had lost, so I need to reach out and, and see what's going on. Because uh, I guess he he came and looking a little soft. And as far as I knew, man, he was he was a bit of a disciplined dude. But uh, nah, man, he you know you know what happened. I, it took me like six months to be able to watch that fight, <laughs> and then I watched it, and and I take absolutely nothing away from him. Uh, and I look at what he with the shot that he hit me with, and it's it's a smart play. He I thought a straight right was coming down the middle. I'm positioning, just have my hand there ready. It comes around the side instead. And it is a and it's, it's a beautiful shot, right? Like probably right in the air. I got to watch it again, because when I tell the story, even in my memory, it doesn't hurt. I thought I slipped. It was a weird feeling, which I guess happens when your legs go jelly. And he he got me. He got me fresh and clean early, so I couldn't recover. I had never been hurt like that, never before. So I was like, you know, clenching up was was a new thing for me. I couldn't even think about how to do it. So, so it was a it was a good move on his part uh, to to launch that attack, and a good move and a and a good call on their team because because I figured like this, I I knew I would never. Uh, if, if on a business decision turn on a fight because i know like the big opportunities come when you when you do things that people don't expect you to do uh like like when devin haney went over and, and took the belt from from the australia kid you know that, that's not something a lot of people gonna do but he did it now <laughs> you know he, he's the uh, the undisputed uh, for that but it doesn't always happen that way and i said i'm gonna i'm gonna go for it and do this because because if i beat this guy even if he's only 11 and oh uh, it's on Showtime, and he's the son of a name. Let me do that. But likewise, they're also, they're also like, okay, this guy's eleven and zero, and he's got a, he's got, I've got a great amateur pedigree, and, and I'm trained by a Hall of Fame coach. This is a good, it's good for us too. So. He showed up and did a great job, and and I I said to myself when I lost that fight, because because you know how the fights go, man. And, you know we're, we're the first fight of the TV, so the, and they don't pay you until the fight is over, until, until, not the fight, to the whole event is over. So I'm so I'm standing there on the side, watch all these fights, just saying like, and afraid to check social media and shit, because you know it was on there. But I kept telling myself it's gonna be the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, it, it but I had made any decision to stop. I, I didn't even have to make a decision to stop after I lost uh Willis. I'm uh, not lost. a uh, drew with Willis Lockett in December, but I did say I was going to take time off, finish my degree because I I had I had like twenty some credits left in my degree, and and doing physics and boxing is a lot harder than you would think. So I took some time off. I was in the gym in 2018, getting ready for like I had, I had an opponent. They reached out to me. They want they were gonna fly me to New Zealand to fight this guy with a decent record. And and looking at him on video, before I showed it to my coach, I thought I could beat him. But I know that fighters are supposed to think that. I showed it to my coach. He thought I'd be able to beat the guy too. Seemed like a great intro to come back on. And and I went sparring with this kid, Cassius Anderson, man, hits like a goddamn freight train. And he 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 threw a jab or a right hand. And he hit me in the eye, and I knew it immediately because I suffered the same injury sparring against Charles Martin, is a is uh, an amateur, but I suffered it in the other eye, and I had to get surgery—a blob fracture. I had the same thing, and you, you can't fight with that. You got, I, I had to pull out. And after that point, my coach said to me, because first he was mad because I went sparring with Clay's cast. When I asked him, I just just drove up to uh, Toledo and, and did some sparring. After he after he chewed me out, he was like, "Yo, yeah, look at your life." Why are you still doing this? (laughs) Um, Because at that point, that was the 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 same month that happened. Was I just graduated? I graduated with my my degree in physics. That was the first month I made more than ten grand online. I actually made like thirty three grand that month. Uh, And he's like, "What are you doing? You don't like? I'll train you if you want to fight, but but you're my friend. You don't have to do this anymore. A lot of guys." They gotta be, you know. Like, yeah, I know how it is because I was again. You gotta be hungry. You otherwise you're gonna you'll get seriously hurt in there. So that's that's ultimately what happened. And then I toyed with the idea of coming back, but I had made a decision. I would never do heavyweight again. So if I couldn't get my weight naturally to like two fifteen, I would. I wasn't thinking about it. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna do that thing where I drop a weight class, but but you know. They need to invent that weight class. They were talking about the the, the what it was like two hundred two to two thirty. They need that because there's a lot of athletic guys, man, that that like <laughs> would, would make some noise. But you're not. I don't care how athletic you are. You're not making noise against somebody that's 6'9", and you and you
0: six one. There's certainly been talks about the super heavyweight type of weight class due to the yeah. larger heavyweights and the disparity of, you know, 200 plus can be a huge range. Um I, I wanted to ask you, you, you mentioned you got your bachelor's degree at age 33. Um, you decided to step away from boxing as a professional. And, and when we see you now, uh, I know you have the stoic street smart. Uh, newsletter. You're you're an author, as we talked about. You're active on social media, helping people. So, how did you transition into now going through everything you did and helping others and teaching others?
1: So, man, I'm I'm a natural teacher, man. I I really, I'm really happy. I think everyone should find something they love as much as I love teaching. And 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 I, I'm not just saying that, you know. For example, I um when I lost the fight. You know, you know how these how to promote a game is, man. Before I got home, I had a letter that was FedEx overnight. Let me know I was done, right? That they would cut my contract. So I needed I needed a way to make money, and I started I started tutoring uh, kid high school kids in math and physics, and and it was great because anyone that's smart enough to do that typically has a job. So I could charge a premium. This was a school district with with, with good money, and and I did that for a little while. And they reached the point where I didn't have to do it for money. It was really just like, okay, I'm going to drive and teach these kids. But uh, the, the 50 or something hour they pay me, I'll, I'll, we'll go to dinner or something with that, right? But I kept doing it, man, because I, I really just like breaking things down. It's the same thing I'm doing now with at, at block, coaching boxing a little bit. I'm not, I'm not like a full-time coach working on a, but a fighter, but I'm there tweaking mechanics and showing people things, things insights you only get. When, when you when you do it for a while because yeah, you know anybody could be a coach man you just throw something over your shoulder post some videos and boom you're a coach but uh i i um i just i just love t- to break things down and that's what the writing and the teaching allows me to do i like i was writing you know i i started my website 2012. You know, and it had just been writing the whole time because it's really important to me. Well, it helps me organize my thoughts, first of all. And the other thing it helps me do is, is that I take something, I put it out there and they get it. Because I think I've had a fairly unique life, right? Certainly an instructive life if you, if, you know, <laughs> you, you, you you take the lessons and use them. So I try to polish them, and make them usable uh, presentation wise with the writing style and the craft. And, and that's where that comes from. And, and if you notice, I'm, I'm big on Twitter, not on uh, not on Instagram. Or well, Instagram is getting bigger, but but like not YouTube. I mean, because because I like writing. I'll probably do some YouTube stuff, especially as I as i moving a promotion for for a book and create content because I notice it's another way to absorb. I'm not so arrogant as like oh. You're not going to read or you don't get any of this wisdom. Like, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm a teacher. It's whatever, man. I, I I got
0: a motor I'm trying to put out to the mediums that are available. You've had many pivots throughout your life. You, we talked about the difficult upbringing. Uh, we talked about the alcoholism. You, you're sober since age 23 you got your bachelor's degree <clears throat> at age 33 um and and I just wanted to even get your thoughts on that in terms of timeline right um if you follow Steve Harvey on Twitter recently he talked about his not getting his big break until he was 40 years old another oh, wow. uh really uh, great quote I've seen is from Ricky Gervais the creator of the office and he said he got a proper job at 28 he uh, gave it up to try comedy at 38 he tried to get fit and healthy or he did get fit and healthy <laughs> at age 48. what he said was, it's never too late, but start now. And I'm just wondering if if you echo that sentiment as well. Man, not only and, and just
1: just like minor correction. My my sobriety date, I got sober at 29, 2013, December 22nd, 2013 is my sobriety date. So however long ago that was, or however old I was then because right. it's starting to get hard to remember. <laughs> um I I think that yeah, you know. Here's the way I describe it, man. And I, I, some people have no acceleration in their life. It's all velocity, and they might be high speed or low speed. This is the physics analogy. Uh, you know, you you get uh, velocity if it's constant. You're not getting any faster or slower. You're just moving at the same pace. The same pace. I take a slice of your life from 38 and 28 and and overlay them. They don't look any different. You're moving at the same pace, doing the same shit. But if you have a little bit of acceleration, I look at your life at 28 and 38, it's going to look different because you get a little faster each year. You move a little, you put a little more distance between you and everyone else that was moving at your pace. You pass up people who don't have any acceleration, but start with a higher velocity. OK, that is the essence of this. And and really, you know, all that is, is is being willing to do something. Do something new. Do something you've always wanted to do. I, I think I think it's a shame that people let time and age be be a limiting factor. Like, obviously, you know, if you're like 80, man, you might have to chill out. That's it, you just missed the boat. But, but you might get 20 more years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if, if you didn't make it, if you didn't make it before, then you didn't make it in your 70s. You can make it in your 80s. No reason absolutely to, to, to think you can't. And one thing that that I wanted to ask you about was. Uh, I think a lot of people suffer with imposter syndrome when they want to try something new. And, and there's something that you tweeted out which resonated with a lot of people. You said, "Someone with half your IQ is making 10x as you because they aren't smart enough to doubt themselves." And uh, that that tweet, I think a lot of people resonated with that tweet. You can see, you know, it was shared and liked a bunch of times. It was quoted in different places. So let me ask you this: How do we not doubt ourselves?
1: Well, you got to remember something, man. I'm, I'm a stoic and and really, in, in some ways, a fatalist. I'm optimistic, but I'm realistic is the best way to put it. I know that I'm going to die one day. No matter what, we going to the same place, man. Okay? So I what do I, what do I get, right? I get like 70, 80 years on average uh, to, to do something cool. And it's my life. One of the things that you know, one of the, one of the cool things about having having a messed up childhood, is you don't you don't carry any reverence for your parents and family, so you're able to really think independently of that influence, which for a lot of people is the strongest influence. I say that to say a lot of people make decisions based on people who ain't got to live their life. Like I don't, I never cared what my mom wanted for me. Part of it because I just didn't. I mean, she was all like, right. I didn't, I I was not my mom's biggest fan, right? But. I also knew that her wanting it, if everything goes well, I'm going to outlive her. And for me to do stuff based on what she wants, that's silly. I got to live my life. So all this comes together. You have to live based on what you want, knowing you, you know, you're you going to die. And most people, they're not thinking about you. And if they are, they're all going to die too, right? So so there's nothing to hold you back. There's, there's nothing to make you think you should be used, and you don't got a lot of time. Remember, 70 years is not a long time at all, man. Like, to put it out, I'm 37. That means I've been on this planet almost four decades, man. I'm, if middle age is what it really should be, I'm middle age, right? And it ain't got nothing. You know, it's not your, your 60s or your 50s and 60s because people ain't living on average to 100 and 110, you know? <laughs> so... That's, uh, that's my, my advice to that, to that man. You, you just got to take action. And remember, you ain't got a lot of time and no one cares. But you got to live with your life. I, I, I just could not. And I hated it because I have had to try and live that way. I could not live knowing I could do more. I could have more and be more. You know, it, it just wouldn't work. That's, you know, that's why I'm working on the, the next book because I know I have to do that. What else would I do? Just, just tweet a bunch on social media? Yeah, that's going to be cool. Hey, and it works. But it's, it's it's just being good
0: enough. You know, it's, it's amazing what people can achieve when you remove that that self-doubt. That's it's, it's sometimes it can just be the person that's looking back at you in the mirror. That's the one holding you back. And when you can get past that, um, great things can happen. It's almost like the fear of of starting something new can can be scary but then you have to think about the fear of looking back one day that you didn't do that and that could be much worse um you you've had a very unique journey to to get to to where you are now and and you're able to help people now and you're able to create content um if you could go back would you change anything about your journey
1: would I change anything about your journey, man? You know what I always say about regret? It's funny you say that. I, I say, you know, people people say, Oh, I got no regrets, no regrets. I'm like, man, you foolish shit. Uh because and because what they mean to say is, is they have no regrets because they like where they are, they like the outcome, and they think somehow that they would not be able to have the outcome, the same life, be the same person if they changed something in the past. What I always like to say to add a little more nuance and precision to the point. Is I have no regrets about the outcome, but boy, if I could change some parts of the process. And I know that's impossible, but what would I change? I would, I hated where I grew up, man. I really did. I I wish I could have been born. So many times I wish I could have been born to a different family. Even now, as an adult, I think about how I, I just don't have that bond, the connection. I'm, I'm making that with my family, but the family I'm producing now. I wish I, I, I wish I didn't have to go through the things with alcohol, because here's the thing. A lot of people are forgiving. If you get if you get in front of your problems. Before, like the law has to or something like that, like something irre, irrevocable or irreversible happens. People forgive a lot of stuff if you're serious about it. But there's always people who don't. And you'll never know if you would have been, you'd have been friends if you wanted a drunk asshole one night. So so I, I have regrets about that. I wish I would have <laughs> started fighting earlier or fought at a later weight class naturally. I, I do. I'm not gonna lie about that. But to bring a bow and put a put a bow on all of it. I know that all those experiences are responsible for me here. So, with the precision, sure, those three things, I really wish they could have been different. But I appreciate what I have now from because of them.
0: And and what I hear there from the tough upbringing that you had, and, and where you did have to grow up, I think anyone who is listening to it, to this. You could probably be grateful for the position that, that you are in. If, if you have an iPhone in your pocket, you have a lot of wealth that a lot of people in the world do not have, and you, you have a lot of tools and things available. And if you can be grateful, I think you know that can really shift your mindset. And a lot of really good things can happen from that, not to take away from the difficult challenges that are there. Right. I think that can help the mindset. The mindset I've... Uh, Part of it. Yeah, go
1: ahead. I think one of the worst things I hear when people, when I talk about gratitude, I'm like, man, you gotta be grateful because you know someone else is without. And they're like, what's that got to do with me? And I'm like, that's the problem. And that's why you have nothing. <laughs> I really believe that. Because because it, it's very hard to, to make pro- it's very hard to not make progress, to be stuck. If you if you recognize the the beauty and wonder of life, but if you have a cynical approach, like why should I feel good about that, that guy having less than me, or could be in a worse position? That's got nothing to do with me. This still sucks. Well, well, first of all, this still sucks, and 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 for whatever reason, you're not motivated enough to change. So you need a different way to look at this this problem, and I, I think that's it's a big deal, man. Uh, that gratitude is huge. I, even even when I was in in a shit position, I was grateful. I'm more grateful now, but I was grateful then because I because I you know you grow up around that that shit and you you see how much worse it could be. You know, my mom wanted a crackhead for example. That's the first thing that comes to mind. My mom wanted a crackhead. Yeah, I seen her get arrested. She wanted a crackhead. Okay. Uh, well, we didn't. We never got evicted. I saw, I saw a lot of kids get evicted. We never got evicted. Okay. I didn't get into hard drugs. I I saw a lot of people ruin their lives on hard drugs. I picked up booze, which is just as bad, but I got control of it. So you're always looking for ways it could it could be better. You know, even when I got knocked out, right. I, I sat there thinking, you know, I can go do other things and, you know, it wasn't all the things I can do now, but I had real options in my life. Like how many guys basically lose their source of income in the fight game, and they're able to go make more money doing something else, working less hours. Tutoring's great, man. <laughs> Fifty dollars an hour, you work six six to eight hours a week, man, and you make a real difference. And, and you you make you make at least as much as the average fighter based on on numbers collected by bloody elbow.
0: It, it, I'm sure tutoring uh, can beat getting hit, hit in the face. Cause that's, that's a, that's a tough way to make an easy living as they say. Yeah. And, and I think also, uh, just piggybacking off of, of what you said, one of the things that, that Tony Robbins always said is that if progress is the key to happiness, right? If you, if you feel like you're progressing in something, you can, um, you can feel better about what you're doing as long as you're, as long as you're improving and you can see that improvement uh, to, to close it out. I wanted to, to ask you a little bit about, uh, the latest book you're working on, whatever you can share, and also where people can can find you on social media, how they can engage with your content.
1: Oh, awesome, man. So, so the latest book is called, right now, the working title is Hard Lessons from the Hurt Business, Boxing Lessons and Building, you know, grit, Resilience and Anti-Fragility. And what I'm doing in that book is I'm taking stories from, from and I'm, I'm going to interview fighters, not like, I mean, there's obviously there's some iconic like, classic stories but but I want to interview guys now I know that I've talked to combined with my life experiences to the, the show uh that the fighters have an incredibly hard task ahead of them I don't I don't think most people appreciate how difficult the life of, of a boxer is uh on the amateur or professional level but yet we're still able to 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 continue to face challenges knowing that if we get hurt ain't no you know health insurance for most of us i mean there's that little cheap blanket policy that usa boxing or any promoter has at the pro level but you know if you really get hurt you ain't going especially in sparring it ain't there uh, the money is is effectively non-existent uh, there's no support or anything like that the disappointments are, are huge but we, we continue and we persist through fighting. And I think that comes from a certain mindset that is built up from facing difficult difficult things or difficulties, and no, no other place is better to teach those lessons uh, than boxing. So that's what the book is about, different uh, difficult lessons we'll, we'll we learn and how you can learn them as well without getting punched in the face. And as far as where to reach me, you know, if anyone's born, with the name Ed Lattimore, after me, and they want to do this internet thing. Good luck, because I got everything. My website's Ed Lattimore. My Twitter handle is Ed Lattimore. My Instagram handle is Ed Lattimore. My Facebook Ed Lattimore. That's all there. LinkedIn Ed Lattimore. YouTube Ed Lattie One. Somebody beat me to it somehow. Uh, so yeah, just Ed Lattimore. I'm I'm everywhere under that that I handle.
0: i I've always said that we have to respect those who compete in combat because as we've seen even recently you're literally putting your life on the line every time for for our entertainment obviously there is financial gain there too for the fighters but it's it's for our entertainment and and i respect fighters for doing that and i I respect you for your journey sharing everything that that you just did for helping people with their journey thank you for for doing what you're doing and and thank you so much for chatting with me Hey, man, thank you for chatting with me. Oh, shit, man, you know what?
1: (laughs) Thank you for listening to Ask the Experts with Curran Bhatia.